Hello, love. If you are a fellow entrepreneur or aspiring, I want to invite you to a brand new masterclass I am teaching publicly for the first time ever on planning your 2021 business revenue. This is a new workshop that I created privately for my Elegant Excellence Mastermind students, and it was so powerful for them. I really wanted to share some of it publicly. So I'm going to walk you through the five steps I take to choose my revenue streams, my priorities, lay out my calendar, how I'm not just plucking, I'm going to make X amount of money next year or off this revenue stream, how to know how much time things take, how many projects and ideas can you commit to. We will talk about all of that next week via the link below. Pop in your email, save your seat, and I will see you there. On with the show. Ladies, hold on to your petticoats. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, beautiful, and happy new year. I want to revisit today a very special episode that I released last year at the start of 2020. And it was so powerful for me at the time, I recall, as I was creating it and crafting it as I was kind of having this vision for myself privately, which I then decided to share publicly. And it resonated with so many of you. So many of you were sharing this on Instagram stories, reposting the podcast, writing to tell me how much it helped you and blessed you. And it was this phrase of the royal 20s. But I'll be totally honest, I genuinely couldn't remember what it was really all about. Like, I I remembered a little bit of what my intention was and my aha and what I meant by that phrase, but I wasn't confident that I really remembered most of the meat of what I shared. And I think, how often do we do this? That you forget the lessons that you've learned, the ahas that you've had. If you have my Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, that's why I even added in this year specific prompts and guides to have us keep flipping back to the whole beginning section where we had all of those ahas and insights and ideas so that we don't forget them and that we keep returning to them. So I re-listened to it recently because it was on my heart and I realized if I forgot what was included, then I'm sure that you did too. And because it resonated with so many of you, I thought that it would be powerful for us to return to because 2020 was not a magical year. It had great symmetry starting off this new decade and this, you know, cool number of 2020. But 2020 itself wasn't the year of epic dreams for almost anyone on the globe. Instead, for most of us, it was a year of personal deepening. And that's what I wanted to begin with when I talked about this royal mindset. It was about having more inner confidence and the genuine peace that comes for that from that and I look at so many of my friends and that's what I want for them and I think that that's a great way to see how powerful something is when we can look at other people in our lives and say I I want that for them I see how different someone carries themselves when they have inner confidence or when they are lacking in that. I can observe that in others, and it may be harder to see for myself. So let me turn inwards 
to, to say, I want that genuine peace that brings that inner confidence. And to ponder as you listen today, how would someone royal have gone through this last year? And remembering that by royal, you'll hear in today's episode, what we mean is not someone who perhaps physically, you know, is a member of the monarchy, but who has that inner confidence that they have opportunity, people support them, they they have possibility. And the reality of royals this year, even if you truly were in a monarch, in some ways, we were all in the same boat. You know, there was wild swings of privilege as far as people who were essential workers or uh, lost their home or were at higher risk for the virus, all of those things. But in some ways, there was commonality that whether you live in an apartment or a palace, we were all at home. We were all spending more time with our people. We were all doing less. Again, most of us, some frontline workers were doing more, but there were similar things that we went through. And I did not think of this royal mindset all year. I, I forgot. And so I'm recommitting. And whether it's this vision or whatever your personal vision is for last year, I invite you to recommit with me because you had wisdom a year ago and I guarantee you did not take a, you know, eek a hundred percent out of what you had. But did we get 10% better last year? Even though I forgot to actively think about this royal mindset, yes, I did. Because we, we do soak these things in. It's, it's in there inside of us, even when we don't logically remember. So I, I did live out more of this royal mindset. I just didn't think about it that consciously. So now that I revisit it a second time, how much more will it seep into my bones and my muscle memory be at the forefront of my mindset? And if it, I grew 10% in it last year, can I not then grow 20% in it this year? And the 20s of the royal 20s isn't over. You will never forget 2020. But what if 2021 to 2029 are an epic chapter that is actually way more worthy of remarking upon in your story than this one pandemic year. So as we release 2020, let us still embrace this mindset of the royal 20s as we listen in on this episode from last year. I can find and, and feel there's a lot of pressure around goal setting that we can have this desire to be perfect, and we're going to change so many habits. And uh, we talked last week about how historically we kind of set out all of these things that we're going to change, we're going to do differently. We kind of make lists and, and, and I'm going to have all of these resolutions. Or you are revolting against the pressure to change a ton. And you are you feel like you always fail at the New Year's resolutions and it never works for you. So you don't want to have to do that. So I want to share today a vision for my life that I've had over the past few months. And in full transparency, I didn't plan to share it. Like It was just something personally that happened in my life. But then I had a broader perspective on it. And so I felt, well, maybe it is more for more than just me. Maybe there is something that I meant to share in this. But I preface that to say that some of it is tied 
deeply for me to my faith. And so that might resonate a little bit differently for you. I know not everyone shares that. And so it's not something that I traditionally share a lot about, but I'm just going to share from the heart and trust that it will hit you in the way that is meant to apply in your own life. So uh, if you are familiar with Myers-Briggs, it's a personality type test. I am an ENFP. And the last two letters, you're either a J or a P. To sum it up, I would say that a J prefers structure and a P craves spaciousness. So if you like the same routine every day and you are more type A in that way, you are more of a J. If the idea of doing the same thing every day makes you feel sad and what you love about your job is that it's different every day, you are probably more of a P. So I love that spaciousness and freedom. And yet, culture tells us in so many ways that we need to be a J and there is wisdom in that. Obviously, my business needs to have a lot of structure in order for it to work. I need to be on top of my finances in order to be wise about them. But I remember back when I first moved to New York a million years ago, my best friend Monica and I, who is still one of my dear friends today, we lived together with our friend Ryan and in this like fourth floor walk up in Hell's Kitchen across the street from where Jon Stewart's The Daily Show filmed. And we had mice in our apartment. I may have said this before. And the floor was so thin we could smell the smoke from our neighbors beneath us um, smoking and we could like shout at them through the floor because we were friends with them to be like, come up. Um, anyways, it was a glorious, magical time of my life living in Hell's Kitchen with um, no money and mice. But um, during that time, I specifically remember that I made Monica and I these pieces of paper that said, Hillary's becoming a perfect person. It said, Monica's becoming a perfect person. And it was a chart of all the things we were going to do. I was going to stretch this many times a day. I was going to practice German this many times a day. She and I had studied abroad in Germany, so that was my language at the time. Um, I was going to practice my voice lessons, like a, a myriad of different things. And I would literally would give us gold stars as we accomplished these things. So needless to say, that did not go over very well. <laughs> but I know that we need this structure in our lives. And yet that chart is kind of how I see goal setting a lot of times or New Year's resolutions or habits or change. I can get into, I'm trying to check off every box. And when I look at the end of the week, there's a star chart. How many stars did I have? Did I have enough stars that I can be proud of myself? And that energy doesn't feel good to me. And you know, one of the reasons that I created a mastermind for fellow entrepreneurs in terms of having a group of people to kind of walk through 2020 with is that I find for a lot of entrepreneurs, but this will apply to a lot of you as well, that we struggle with discipline because there is so much of our lives in which we need to exert so much self-willpower. Maybe you feel like you exert so much self-willpower as a mom, as you maintain your patience and you maintain your calm and you've worked so hard on your willpower and your discipline throughout the day that once you put the kids to bed at night at eight o'clock, you're like, I need wine. I need sugar. I need, you know, tons of hours on social media. Like, I just don't have any bandwidth anymore to do the things. Or you, you, you have a really intense job. And so you're exerting all that willpower throughout the day. And you just have no willpower when it comes to the things in your personal life because you're so drained and depleted. So I find for entrepreneurs, this is so true. There is so much self-willpower that it takes to get out of bed and do what you need to do. And no one is telling you to do these things. But then when it comes to just like the simplest task of you know, something that I need to do in my personal life, I just have to say to Jeremy, like, 
will you please hold me accountable? Will you please hold me accountable? Like I just don't have any more willpower to go. And so when I think about goals and growth, I need balance. It can't be all exerting willpower and structure and rigid. I just don't have the energy for that. I don't want that energy in my life. It feels exhausting and depleting and it also just feels unsustainable. Like I could only push and hustle for so long, but it's not the way to live a life. So I need that structure, but on the other side of it, to balance it out is what's the story, the feel, the vibe that I'm going for? So a few months ago, I was listening to the author Rachel Hollis, and I can't remember what it was that she said, what specific exercise she was walking people through, but I think it may have been from a Tony Robbins convention where there was some exercise about declaring a word over yourself. Anyhow, as Rachel's giving this exercise and charge for people, she shares that when she was at this Tony Robbins conference and he he gave this exercise, the word that came up for her, rose up for her, was mogul that that's, that's who she was or that's who she was becoming. She was a mogul. And it kind of hit her like, whoa, that word feels big. That word feels intense. Where did that, where did that word come from? That's not how I've seen myself. That's not how I've defined myself. That word feels big. I don't, I don't feel like I am worthy of that word yet. I don't feel like I'm at that level. And the moment that she said that word for her, the word that rose up for me was royal. And I thought, whoa, that word feels big. That word feels expansive, royal. What does that mean? That didn't, in the same way that it hit her that she didn't know mogul was a word that was floating around for her, I didn't know that royal was for me. And as I said earlier, I didn't intend to share this word when it came up. It was a private moment and it does tie into my faith. So I'm just going to share honestly without imposing my beliefs on anyone, but let you find how it hits and resonates with you, what does feel true for you. So in Christianity, we talk about God as a father. He is the, the father of the earth. And we talk about him as a king. The, the ruler of the earth, the creator of the earth. And our women's ministry at church is called Daughters. So I personally do have a vision that if I am a daughter of a king, if I have the ability to talk to God, pray to him, if he has good plans for my life, if I believe that his plans are better for my life than my own and my own ideas that I've come up with, if he answers prayer, if he can give me what I need, that I have access. I am empowered. I'm called. I'm anointed. I have favor, not over anyone else, but available to me, confidence available to me that I might not be taking because I don't see myself in that way. If I see myself as weaker, less able, less worthy, not invited, then I don't lean into and show up for and and embody and wear what is rightfully mine. So a few weeks ago, I shared about confidence and said, again, vulnerably, that for me, this awareness that I haven't been confident enough, and that was really something I feel convicted about 
heading into the new year. I even talked about it back in July when I did the podcast entitled I Owe You an Apology. I talked there about uh, realizing a lack of confidence in myself as a leader in my business. And I shared a few weeks ago that to me, that was really saying, I'm, I'm not confident enough in myself, which really means I'm not confident in God, which for you could be the universe or a higher power or energy supporting you. But if you believe there is something kind of supporting you and championing you, then the confidence can be not as like, I'm amazing, my, like my hands on my hips and my shoulders back and I'm just the bee's knees and I can do anything because Beyonce told me girls rule the world. Um, and this is for men as well. But instead, it's like, no, I am confident that there is something that called me here, that brought me here. I am confident that there is a purpose to my life and to the world, and, and I can have a confidence in that. So we talked about that further in an episode a couple weeks ago. You might want to go back and re-listen to it. But in addition to that, there's a song at church that we sing that has the refrain, I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. And I have listened to that song more than any other on repeat for the last couple years, maybe, like maybe like the last year and a half. And I've just thought about that a lot. And in this in this new word of royal, I thought, if I see myself as royal, if who I'm told I am is a daughter of the king, if who I'm told I am is royal, how does that change things? Like, Think if if you like in a fairy tale that you know my niece might might read. If you were told all of a sudden tomorrow, if you found out that you had royal lineage, you know again, if the phrase "I'm a daughter of a king" doesn't resonate with you in the spiritual sense, just go go and play with that. What if I was a daughter of the universe, or what if someone just told me came and told me that I have royal lineage, and that's what I discovered. And then I just heard at Christmas service a new song that has that same line, but one that follows. And it says, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. And I was like, who wrote this song for me? <laughs> like, have you been reading my diary? Have you been listening to the You're Welcome podcast? Because this one phrase that had already resonated with me about my identity, and here I've been talking about confidence, and I've been talking about being royalty, and now we are talking about being crowned with confidence. So that, my friends, is what it means for me to be royal. How do I see myself if I am wearing a crown of confidence as I walk through my life, my days, my decisions? How would I show up differently? Now, equally deep is I think of Amal Clooney, <laughs> George Clooney's wife. Um, I am forgetting what her maiden name used to be. But I think that royal came to me in part Back in episode 33, I shared a, a, a beautiful podcast episode where I'm walking you through questions to unlock your dreams. And one of them that I had come up with was, who has your dream life? And what is it about their life that resonates? If you just think, you know who I think has a magical life is so-and-so. And people that came up for me were Amal Clooney, Meghan Markle, and... Gwyneth Paltrow in their own ways or for their own reasons. But when I think about there is something in them to me that seems regal. Only Megan has actually literally married into royalty. But when I picture all three of those women, would they ever be afraid to text someone? Would they ever think, oh, I don't know, I probably shouldn't ask that of them? Or I don't know if they'd want to hear from me. 
you know, have I texted too much? Like, think of just the little thoughts that go through your head. Would Amal Clooney be wondering if she should text Brad Pitt? No, she would just text Brad Pitt. (laughs) I don't know who she would text, but would she wonder if she should text this high-ranking official? Would she wonder if she should text someone that she met at a party that she thought seemed lovely? Would she have wondered if she should walk up to someone at a party? Would she have thought, well, I don't don't even know what I'm going to say, or I probably don't look good enough, or you know, they, they probably don't want to talk to me. Um, would she be afraid to ask a question in a meeting? Would she think, I don't probably have enough knowledge or I probably don't have the right or the authority? Like just on a more basic daily level, how would you show up if you were royal? How would you feel wearing your clothes? It could be the same clothes that you're wearing right now. Like it doesn't have to mean all of a sudden you're wearing something magical. Like how... Can I not carry myself in the same way in a sweater and a skirt as a true gown? Might I make different choices in my style, seeing myself as that way, which doesn't mean that I get to wear all of the beautiful gowns that a Meghan Markle or a Kate Middleton is truthfully going to wear. But that's not what it's about to me. It's not about getting to wear the fancy gowns. It's how would you walk? What would your posture be like? Would you be rolling back your your shoulders? Would you be making eye contact? Would you be walking more slowly and decisively if you were wearing that gown? Is there a reason that that can't also carry over into getting yourself a new pair of jeans because the other ones are super stretchy and they still have the maternity waist from when you were pregnant and actually just a great pair of jeans from J. Crew or something that are maybe the same ones that Meghan Markle's wearing, who knows? Are like, ah, oh, yeah, I look pulled together now. Now I look like the 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 polished chic mom that I want to be, yet still practical for the playground. <laughs> so can I not feel as elegant in a restaurant interacting with the waiter if it's not Michelin starred? Can there not be something of like, I mean, I'm just at Olive Garden, but can I not still carry myself with the same way that I would treat someone with respect and expect that I should be treated in return? I remember um, earlier this year, I met my neighbor just really briefly. We are in the hall and I think I was going in or she was coming out or something. In New York, it you rarely meet your neighbors because it's like in apartment buildings. It's just when you're going in or out. People aren't like hanging out on their, you know, front uh, front lawn or whatever. And we met briefly, but she made such an impression on me. She was almost regal was the word that I used to describe her to Jeremy. I said, I met the most lovely woman. Her, um, and she was almost regal. And I was so struck by her. And she was obviously beautiful, but you meet a lot of beautiful people in New York, to be honest. A lot of people here are models and actors. So I've met plenty of beautiful people who have a stunning face, but there isn't really much going on. Like, I'm not really that impressed with them. So it wasn't that. I have no memory of what she was wearing. So it wasn't that. It was truly just the way she carried herself, just in the way that she said hello in the hallway and we talked for a few minutes. And I was just so captivated by her. Well, we become friends and come to find out she was Miss Africa. So she literally has been royalty. But here, we live in the same apartment building. Her life isn't fancier, but she has worn fancy gowns. She has been to fancier places. She has truly worn a crown on her head that someone else told her that she was worthy to wear. She carries a regal title with her for the rest of her life. (laughs) But she walked for water every day 
as a child in Africa. She had, you know, talks about having to wake up super early in the morning and how she hated how early her mom would make her wake up and how long it took to walk for water and how heavy the water was. She wasn't raised royal. She wasn't born into this and handed this. She chose it. She leaned into it. She claimed it. She took herself from this tiny African village to become someone who was wearing a crown on an international stage and was living in New York City. So whether this is a deep spiritual perspective, looking at someone who seems far off and a celebrity like an Amal Clooney, or just noticing what it is that captivates you of the woman who literally lives next door, I invite you today and as you're walking into a new year, a new decade, working your way through and implementing everything inside your Elegant Excellence journal and the vision and the plans that you laid out, instead of thinking about what you want to do, what happens if you ask yourself who you want to be? Because we often believe that the pattern in life will be do, have, be. If I do these things, I will have these things, and then I will be these things. I need to do this work and work hard so I can have enough money to be happy, so I can have the nice house, so that I can be someone who looks and feels successful. But the truth is that ultimately, the order is we need to be out of which we do, and then we have. First we be, then out of that person, we will do the actions that give us what we ultimately want. So I wonder if we approach looking at our goals where we want to start with, what's everything I want to do? What's all of my accomplishments that I'm going to achieve this year? I'm going to check these things off. What do I want to have? What do I get that is the reason I am going after those goals and those accomplishments. I'm going to do this diet so I have less weight. Whatever it is that is on your list, weight loss is just a very common one at the beginning of the year, so that always comes to mind. But I would wager that in your journal, you have a lot of that. Now, it's not all of that. If you've gone through the Elegant Excellence Journal, because this is my perspective, there is a lot also of who do we want to be? Who is that person? Who are we becoming? That is laced all throughout that. But at the core... The way that we set goals and and habit shifts and projects for our life is based on what we want to do and accomplish or what we want to have and have attained. Much more than it is, who do we want to be? Who do you want to become this year? Who do you want to become in this next decade? What is the identity? Who are you becoming with your goals? What goals would someone who is that have? If I want to be royal, what kind of goals would someone who has the identity of a royal lay out? How would someone who is that act? How would they show up in their goals or in their schedule? You might want to become a healthier person or an entrepreneur. It might be a more specific, concrete tangible word for you. It doesn't have to be as esoteric as mogul or royal. For you, it might be something that sounds actually much more like a traditional goal. I want to lose weight. I want to become someone who is healthier. But that in and of itself is shifting the mindset. It's saying, 
I am becoming someone who's, who's healthier. How would someone who is healthier act? What choices and decisions would that person make? I am becoming an entrepreneur. I am becoming a successful entrepreneur. What goals would a successful entrepreneur set? How would that person show up in the world? How would that person act at this restaurant? What would that person wear? So it can still be a more specific goal-oriented word, but it's the energy that shifts into seeing it as an identity and who you're becoming. For me, for a long time, my phrase was calm in a storm. In the Elegant Excellence Journal, one of the pages has you walk through anchoring phrases. And one of mine for years was, I am someone who is calm in a storm. I was declaring that that is ultimately what I wanted someone to be able to say about me because I felt so far from that. Well, it can be really overwhelming if I had taken that and then said, okay, I'm, how would someone who is calm in a storm act? What would, what would they do? How would they be? That would have felt really overwhelming for me because I felt so far from that. Like, well, they certainly just wouldn't act the way I'm acting, but I couldn't figure out what did I shift to get there. But by staying focused on that identity, just vaguely in the background, I'm not saying that I wrote it on my mirror every single day. I actually did, over the course of years, take steps. It was slow. It was tiny. But I knew that that was the energy, essence, identity of who I wanted to become. And so I went to therapy and I read and I studied and I worked until I could notice that I was more that person. I was, I became healthy enough to have more self-awareness to admit when I wasn't, to, you know, when I could have done something differently, there wasn't as much shame and failure that I was resisting. When you're really far, when you want to be at a 10 and you're at a zero, when you show up in that, you know, zero, one, two place, it's like you have such shame because you're so far away, you don't even want to admit it. We've talked about this here before. It's whether you are denying, owning, or changing your ish. When you are at a zero and you want to be at a 10, it's hard to, you just want to keep denying. That wasn't my fault. That was yours. No, I'm not overreacting. I'm not impatient. Like, what are you talking about? That, that, that's your problem that you're having. As you become healthier and you get into owning it, you're able to say, okay, I, I am at a five more often. So today when I showed up as a two, yeah, that didn't feel good. It's hard to say it out loud, but you can start to say it to yourself. And then when you get to the changing I was on a call recently with my executive coach and I was telling her, okay, just yesterday I showed up on a call like this and I didn't like it. And I was aware as I was saying it, I am being so honest with her about having not shown up as the high number in this analogy that I want to be because I'm confident now that I can change it. So I don't have any problem being like, yeah, I was kind of a five on that call because I know that more often these days I'm an eight. And I know I can be an eight and I believe I can be an eight and I'm seeing the fruit of that in my life. So if there is a identity and a word and a becoming that comes up for you, know that if it is very far from where you are right now, that's totally okay. And it's also totally normal for it to overwhelm you of, but I don't, I don't know what that person would do. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to start. I was in that place for years with someone who is calm in a storm. But I can tell you, years later, it works and it's worth it. And it wasn't even until I sat down to think through this topic today that I realized, oh, I have had 
one of these words, one of these identities or becomings, you know, is a phrase. But I've had this for years and it did help. It did give me a North Star that helped put me in that right direction. And then I heard a speaker recently, Louis Giglio, was talking about how we've been through two undefinable generations that when you think back, you know, if if everyone says, oh, we're having a 50s party, people know how to show up and dress for that. We're having a 70s party, a 90s party. What do you really do about the the early 2000s? You know, the the 2000s, maybe I don't even know what it's called. It it feels like how can we even define that? What 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 summed that up? What's the clothing? What's the style? And then we have the aughts of like 2010 and on. It just we we didn't call it the te- the the tens. Even looking back, we say the nineteen tens. We don't just call it the tens. We start to define the nineteen hundreds when we get to the twenties. And when you get to the twenties, there is a very specific ethos of the roaring twenties and Art Deco and jazz and style. When you ask people what their favorite decades are, does anyone say the nineteen tens? Does anyone say the 1900s? <laughs> Honestly, we start with the 1920s of what we really loved. And then people will say 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right? You can think about what those styles are, what was happening in culture. And so we said there really is something in going into a definable decade. And as soon as he said the roaring 20s, the thought popped into my head, the royal 20s, the royal 2020s. I can create a new culture in my life, just like there was a new culture that is identified with the 20s from 100 years ago. I can look back in my life decades from now and say, oh, there was a vibe about the 20s. There was a culture, a style, an ethos. I can shift my identity, not as in I'm becoming a new or a different person, but just someone who sees themselves differently. Maybe you are no longer someone with a traumatic childhood or the chubby girl or divorced or a hot mess. I don't know what your story is. It doesn't mean that you're a different weight or that past marriage never happened, but you're setting goals, visions, plans, seeing your year and living your days and seeing yourself as a different defining word. That if there has been some way you have seen yourself in the past, you are now able to see yourself through a different lens and find a new word or phrase that works for you. If what you've been saying over yourself hasn't worked, maybe it's been negative, maybe you're saying something negative, or maybe you haven't realized that it was negative. When I realized I needed to be more confident, I didn't, I didn't realize I was being unconfident. I wasn't walking around thinking, gosh, I sure am insecure. But there were definitely thoughts in there that were breeding a lack of confidence that needed to be called out. So find the one that works for you. Ponder it as you go through your Elegant Excellence journal, as you listen to episode 33 in Unlocking Your Dreams. You can go back and look at your notes from that episode. Or if you listened on the go, you can slow down and look at that again. Give yourself some time. I, again would never have my like word of the year on January 1. I don't know if I've ever had a word of the year before. I haven't really been that person. But don't put pressure on yourself that just because I have my vision, you have to have yours. Or you are more than welcome to join me in sharing my vision that this is the royal 20s. It won't change everything or change overnight. You'll 
forget for a month and then find the note that you made on your notes app on your phone while listening to this podcast. And that's okay that it will come back to you. I am more calm in a storm than I was four years ago. And I am becoming more of that. I can see that just in the last few weeks of my life. I see myself more as royalty, as crowned with confidence than I did just a few months ago, which makes me believe that with each growth iteration, we can evolve a little more quickly. Maybe it won't take me years this time, but I also see that it really is an ongoing journey. I haven't suddenly arrived, but it's a new color that I'm adding into my life. Not only am I someone who is calm in the storm, I am someone who is crowned with confidence. So I find ways to add this to my life, whether that's putting post-it note places or writing it on my hand throughout the day. Sometimes I'll do that. I might buy a piece of jewelry that reminds me of it. Um, Honestly, the photos from our wedding help. um, Use those to play out your own story in your head. Insert yourself into those photos. Um, If you've not seen them, I will link that below. But at our family wedding in, well, actually both our weddings, now that I think about it, I was thinking about the Cartagena ones, but our elopement last year to the south of France, we were on a on a hilltop in front of the ruins of an old castle from the 16th century. Maybe it is something like that. You picture that you live in this little village. You're kind of the Meghan Markle or the Amal Clooney that's sort of, you know, out in in this tiny village, sort of hidden from everyone. And that gives you that royal feeling that, you know, you could be out and about with no one else around on this Um, on this hilltop and you've got the castle in the background and all of that. But I was thinking about our um, Cartagena family wedding from 2019 that when we got up early in the morning and we're walking around just Jeremy and I as the streets were starting to come alive, the people of Cartagena love a wedding. And as you have seen, my dress was pretty epic. So I think it stood out even far and above what they are traditionally used to seeing there. And I felt like a royal. I mean, people joke that uh, Jeremy looks like Prince Harry, but it's like people were applauding and they were reaching their hand out to us. Little girls were chasing after us and like begging to take their picture picture with us and wiping away tears from their eyes because it was like they'd seen a real life princess. And then coming out of the church, there was a crowd that had gathered. They had actually gathered before I arrived at the church, and then they they stayed outside through the entire ceremony, which was like almost an hour long. They stayed there watching and waiting and just observing. And again, I would imagine to them the level of our bridesmaids' dresses and our bouquets, it felt to them like a royal wedding, like there was something heightened that they were witnessing. And then when you come out of the church in Cartagena, there are these traditional Uh, women in these beautiful white dresses that are swishing back and forth, and there's men that are drumming. And when we came out, because the street was so narrow, there wasn't wasn't anywhere for Jeremy and I to go. It also had built up because the girls were trying to bustle my train and they were having trouble. So you've got these drummers going, and they're sort of building up momentum and momentum. And we'd given all of our guests maracas to shake and confetti to throw. So we walk out of the church to just this like celebration. All these strangers are holding up cell phones and we've got, you know, 100, 200 people packed in the semicircle on the street. There's nowhere for Jeremy and I to go. So we're just dancing around in the middle of of a circle of all of these strangers and our family and friends because we can't even figure out how to get out. Eventually, it The the crowd separates and the drummers start to lead us through and you lead a parade through town to your venue. 
if you have seen the one minute trailer of our wedding, um, which I will link below, you've gotten a little taste of this. We haven't even seen our wedding video yet, but when we get it, I will share it with you. But those 15 minutes of leading that parade were, I'm going to get choked up now. I mean, that was the most joyful experience of my life. Like the look on Jeremy and I's faces, we could not be any happier. We're, are you kidding me? We're flipping leading a parade? Like I'm wearing a Monique Lullier gown and we have dancers and we have musicians and people in bright colors. I mean, just like what? who who lives this? What What is this life? But there, that was a, a royal moment. And that is a story that you can look at those photos, you can watch those videos, and you can insert yourself into that. Because do you know what? I didn't get that because my dad is someone famous or because I was born into something. I'm I, everyone's like, oh, I didn't, not everyone. People are like, oh, I didn't know you guys were, were Colombian. I was like, we're not. No, we just found this magical place and we wanted to go get married there. Like you didn't have to be Colombian to have this magical tradition. I didn't even know this tradition existed until I found this place that I didn't even know existed until I Googled. And 10 years ago, I would never have dreamed that I would have the kind of wedding that I had. But I started a business because I just didn't want to cater anymore. <laughs> and I just needed to do something that used my brain. I had no idea that I was building all of this. And so that might be the thing that to you feels like that royal you know, picture. For me, it is Amal Clooney or it is my beautiful neighbor. You can see a few new photos on my Instagram today as I lean into this idea of the royal 20s. But I invite you to share in this idea if it resonates with you or find whatever becoming or identity it is that does. This vision for me that more of us would be crowned with confidence for myself that I am who God says I am. I am a daughter of the king or whatever language or story resonates with you that we are invited. We have more access. And I'm well aware of the sort of first world nature of this. And I just want to emphasize that I don't mean having things, having status as it seems on an outside level. I mean the respect we give ourselves with the thoughts we have today, the dignity that we give ourselves the power that we give ourselves, that this truly is about the confidence that we have in showing up in the world, whatever our personal story or limitations may be, that we truly all would acknowledge in this decade the beautiful, magical power of our thoughts. We go deeper on this in the wand exercise inside the Elegant Excellence Journal, and I truly believe that that serves us no matter where we are in financial situations, in social situations, that ultimately this is about that kernel within all of us that as women desires to feel beautiful, as men desires to feel strong, as humans desires to feel worthy, and that we would have the confidence to show up in this new decade crowned with that confidence and vision of who we truly are. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is I honestly am more calm in a storm than I was a year ago. And I've been reflecting on that at the end of 2020 
I've thought a lot about that. I mentioned this in some Instagram posts that I did around my birthday a couple of weeks ago. I've really been thinking back to where I was energetically this time last year. And I am more calm in a storm. And listening to this episode back, I don't remember that last year I also felt, wow, I am more calm in a storm than I was at the end of 2018. And I can't be the only one that you actually celebrated growth and breakthrough last year and you don't remember it because you don't have a podcast to go back and listen to or you have a journal but you haven't gone and reread it. So I would just encourage you specifically if you have the Elegant Excellence Goals Journal, this is one of the most valuable parts of it is I guarantee you have grown so much more in the last 12 months than you were giving yourself credit for because we just don't remember. We focus on all the things that we haven't done. And I hear so many people message me who use the journal to say, I was really beating myself up this year. And then I went back to my journal as I was sitting down for my next one. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm way closer to my goals. I've been, my mindset has been like, ugh, I only got 25% of the way there. But when I actually look at what I wanted, I'm like, wait a minute, no, you're like 70% of the way there. So I invite us to just really start to leave these little breadcrumbs for yourself. Maybe it's something you post on Instagram, you write it in your journal, whatever it is for you, and reflect back. Do you have any of those nuggets from years past that you can go back to to encourage you as you head into this new year? And completely unrelated, something else that I am loving lately, the uh, the latest season of The Bachelorette, which is over now, um, no, no spoilers, but if you are looking for a um, something to binge, you know, the, the next time you have a sick day or, you know, you need a, a, a mental health day. Um, that's kind of what I love reality TV for sometimes. Is you can just like binge a whole season. It's so satisfying not having to wait week, week after week. Um, I have always been a fan of the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise. But this year, little, little drama. There was one Bachelorette. She fell in love real fast. So they brought in another Bachelorette. That second Bachelorette had such a genuine confidence about her it was so peaceful to watch as we talked at the top of this episode of what is it like to watch a confident woman it really struck me and I want to okay I want to be honest about this but I, I I don't ever like to speak poorly of um other human beings though obviously it's a little different if you do put yourself out there on a reality tv show in some ways but of the two women on this season the first one was a decade older. And I was expecting a lot of maturity from that. And sadly, what came up almost more so was so many years of hurt and disappointment that, you know, like how you just sometimes have friends, it's almost like a wounded puppy or 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 a wounded child, you know, that just they're, they're so jumpy at everything. And then the second bachelorette that came in, she too had been through some stuff. She had gotten divorced and um, there was just a confidence in her that I realized it was so relaxing to watch her. And I thought that that was a beautiful reminder and inspiration. And again, again I, I hate to, to 
speak badly or psychoanalyze this this first woman but it is kind of a good example because I can't give you friends of mine to be like you know Sarah versus Sally we don't all know the same women but if you've watched that there is such a difference in the inner peace and confidence of one woman versus the other and then and again I hate to use the word versus but you know what I mean and then the men on that season were so vulnerable it was just beautiful to watch. And of course, they always get people with like sob stories on there. But there was something different this time. The things that these men had been through were more personal. It wasn't the the death of a parent, which not discounting that at all. Um, but that's sort of like, okay, we need to have some people who've gone through hard things. These were like eating disorders and addictions and suicide attempts and just... There was so much vulnerability. It was so flippin' beautiful and so inspiring. Specifically, if you are one of my single ladies, I hope that it inspires you for the kind of men that are out there. And it was just the rare season, although I already love that franchise, but it almost had a little bit of my like queer eye. For that, that show to me is just like reality TV, but I just always feel happy and good about the state of the world. That's kind of how I felt watching the season of The Bachelorette. So that is my ridiculously long, over-effusive endorsement um, for something pure fluff and delightful because, again, in the midst of all of our intentional work on ourselves, we want more joy going into this year and more things to make us laugh and delight us in the midst of whatever, my dear, is to come in 2021. next Wednesday.